Welcome to Native New Health. Let's get started. Native New Health will address specific health concerns that plague our people. So the first step is regular exercise. try this at home. It's up to you what you like to put on, but it's very simple and quick. Exercise regularly. We cannot emphasize this enough. And welcome to Native New Health, an exciting program designed for Native people by Native people. Welcome to another episode of Native New Health. Hello, my name is Gina Gabosh. And I'm Ed Dunn. And today we will be covering a topic that is causing great sorrow among our people. I totally agree, Ed. We are talking about domestic violence, which sadly affects every member of the family. The alarming thing is that it can cause serious consequences, not only in the lives of the victims for years to come, but it also affects our Native communities everywhere not only in North America, but all over the world. It is important to note that males as well as females may be victims of domestic violence, and females as well as males can be the abusers, but women are more often the victims. Yes, Gina. In fact, in a recent article on domestic violence in the United States and Violence Against Women Act, we find that approximately 1.3 million women and 835,000 men are physically assaulted by an intimate partner annually. And domestic violence is the leading cause of injury to women between the ages of 15 to 44. Imagine that. And you know what's startling, Ed, is that Native women experience the highest rate of violence amongst any people group. A report released by the Department of Justice entitled American Indians in Crime found that Native American women suffer violent crime at a rate three and a half times greater than the national average. That's sobering, Gina. But it doesn't stop there. Statistics do show that nearly half of all Native American women, 46%, have experienced rape, physical violence, or stalking by an intimate partner, according to a recent nationwide survey by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And there is ample evidence in Canada that our Native sisters are afflicted the same way. Victims of spousal violence experience severe and potentially life-threatening violence. In 2009, 58% of Aboriginal women who experienced spousal violence reported that they had sustained an injury compared to 41% of non-Aboriginal women. Almost half, 48% of Aboriginal women who have experienced spousal violence reported that they had been sexually assaulted, beaten, choked, or threatened with a gun or knife. We don't like talking about this because it makes our people look bad, but we want it to stop, so we have to talk. Friends, this is a serious problem all over the world, and we must do something to stop this affliction amongst our people. For example, recent statistics published in Australia show that the rate of domestic violence victimization for Indigenous women may be 40 times the rate of non-Indigenous women. In the past, there were traditional cultural values that were the foundation to all Indigenous societies across North America. These values, which encompassed all members within the community, included acceptance, protection, support and nurturing within that circle. This warm and protective embrace was the birthright of every Aboriginal person. 
In exchange for the rights and privileges accorded by community membership, each person owed a debt of respect for the community's values and traditions, service to its ongoing requirements for well-being and prosperity, and vigilance in protecting the integrity and strength of the circle. Tell me, what has happened to all the love, honor, and respect we used to have towards each other? This is an important question, Gina, and it is time for us to understand exactly what domestic violence is and what we can do about it. The United States Office on Violence Against Women defines domestic violence as a pattern of abusive behavior in any relationship that is used by one partner to gain or maintain power and control over another intimate partner. And domestic violence can happen to anyone and can take many forms, including physical abuse, sexual abuse, economic, emotional, and psychological abuse. This abuse can occur in mixed gender relationships and same gender relationships and has profound consequences on the lives of children, individuals, families, and communities. It is important to recognize that domestic violence has one purpose, and that is to maintain and gain control over its victim. That's so true, Gina. There is no question that domestic violence reveals itself in many forms of abuse. Let's look at a few of them. The most common is physical abuse, which involves contact intended to cause feelings of intimidation, pain, injury, or other physical suffering or bodily harm. Physical abuse includes hitting, slapping, punching, choking, pushing, burning, and other types of contact that result in physical injury to the victim. And physical abuse can also include behaviors such as denying the victim of medical care when needed, depriving the victim of sleep, or forcing the victim to engage in drug or alcohol use against his or her will. If a person is suffering any physical harm from someone else, then they are experiencing physical abuse. Very sad, and some chronic health conditions have now been linked to victims of domestic violence. These may include irritable bowel syndrome, chronic pain, pelvic pain, ulcers, migraines, and more. And victims who are pregnant during a domestic violence relationship experience a greater risk of miscarriage, preterm labor, and injury to or death of the fetus. Unfortunately, another form of abuse is sexual abuse. That is found in any situation in which force or threat is used to obtain participation in unwanted sexual activity, even if that person is a spouse. This is true, and one of the most deplorable sexual abuse situations involves incest. The results of these kinds of violent acts will have long-term consequences for the victim. Still, another form of abuse is emotional abuse. It is also called psychological abuse or mental abuse. Controlling what the victim can and cannot do, withholding information from the victim, deliberately doing something to make the victim feel diminished or embarrassed is emotional abuse. Put-downs in any form can be considered psychological abuse. This can include threatening the victim with injury or harm and public humiliation. Emotional abuse includes forceful efforts to isolate the victim, keeping them from contacting friends or family. This, of course, is intended to eliminate those persons who might try to help the victim leave the relationship and also to create a lack of resources for them to rely on, leaving them feeling helpless and unable to escape from the situation. People who are emotionally abused often feel that they do not own themselves. The victim often suffers from depression, 
which puts them at an increased risk for suicide, eating disorders, and drug and alcohol abuse. These health risks are compounded among victims who are still living with their abuser. High levels of stress, fear, and anxiety are commonly reported. The most frequently referenced psychological effect of domestic violence is post-traumatic stress disorder and is characterized by flashbacks, intrusive images, exaggerated startle response, and nightmares. These symptoms are generally experienced for a long span of time, even after the victim has left a dangerous situation. Friends, did you know that this is what soldiers usually experience after being in a war? But you know, Gina, for the victim of domestic violence, they feel like they're in the war zone all day long. Often they find themselves the victims of another type of abuse, and that is verbal abuse, which is a form of emotionally abusive behavior involving the use of language. Verbal abuse can also be referred to as the act of threatening. Verbal abuse may include aggressive actions such as name-calling, blaming, ridicule, disrespect, and criticism, and it may include profanity, but there are also less obviously aggressive forms of verbal abuse. Yes, the abuser may fluctuate between sudden rages and false attitude toward the victim, or may simply show a very different face to the outside world than to the victim. But in reality, the abuser is a bully. While spoken words are the most common form of verbal abuse, it may include abusive communication in written form, including the use of new technology such as texting, Twitter, or something else. The very first time he ever hit me was July 25, 1981. Each time he abused me, it got a little bit worse. It was the slaps. Then it was the choking. He totally lost it. It was more like he was fighting another man. or straddled over me and just going down like that, hitting me and hitting me and hitting me. He started kicking me. He had steel-toed boots just on. kind of collapsed, you know, kind of blacked out. He reached down and bit me on my face. I had a miscarriage. That's what all the bleeding was about. And I told him, kill me now. Kill me now. Just end it. End it now. one of those things, nobody talks about it. They see me, they see me beaten, they see the black eyes, they see me barely moving, they see the marks around my neck where he's choked me, but nobody says anything. The police served the papers, divorce papers, the restraining order on him. I went to his mother's house and that's what he did is he shot himself in the head. Here his body was in front of me and I knew he was dead but I was still terrified that he could hurt me. I am the first lady of the Seminole Nation. I'm a councilwoman. I now have the opportunity to share my story and let people know it can happen to anybody. I did not go through this for no reason. God did not make me go through this for no reason. I am a survivor. There was no place I could go to be safe. Today, we have our shelter, tribally built. Money came from the tribe. Regardless of the hurt, regardless of what I went through, if one thing I can do to help another woman, 
get out of the situation, I will. Another type of abuse is economic abuse and isolation. This is when one intimate partner has control over the other partner's money or other economic resources. Economic abuse may involve preventing a spouse from getting a job, limiting the amount of money resources for use by the victim, or by exploiting the money of the victim. The reason behind preventing the spouse from using the money is to make them dependent and so to control them. This could also include preventing the victim from obtaining education, maintaining or advancing their careers, and acquiring assets such as a car or other forms of transportation. When a victim has experienced this type of abuse for a long period of time, if a victim leaves their perpetrator, they can be stunned with the reality of the extent to which the abuse has taken away their autonomy. True, Gina. And the sad thing is that due to economic abuse and isolation, the victim usually has very little money of their own and few people on whom they can rely when seeking help. This has been shown to be one of the greatest obstacles that intentionally discourages the victims from leaving their perpetrators. And in addition to lacking financial resources, victims of domestic violence and economic abuse often lack specialized skills, education and training that are necessary to find employment. And in addition, they may also have several children to support. This is very true, Ed. This is one of the primary causes of homelessness. And it has also been reported that one out of every three homeless women are homeless due to having left a domestic violence relationship. So what can we do? Can the law help? Often people ask just this question. Is there not something that someone or the law can do to protect the victims of domestic violence, especially in native and aboriginal lands? Depending on whether you are on a reserve or not, we'll determine who you should go to for help. Contact your local social services department for assistance. They will be very helpful to you. By now, most of us are asking the important question, why does domestic violence happen in the first place? Can we get to the root of the problem? The fact of the matter is that there are many different theories as to the causes of domestic violence. What we need to recognize is that when domestic violence is present in a home, the children in that household are the most vulnerable. Yes, domestic violence not only affects children now and in their immediate future, but those same children carry on those acts into their adulthood. And thus, this violence is carried on from generation to generation. In some parts of the world, this has become a real crisis. In Australia, for example, it has been identified that as many as 75% of all victims of domestic violence are children. Here you have one real source of this problem, because people who observe their parents abusing each other may incorporate abuse into their behavior within relationships that they establish as adults. That sounds much like alcoholism, doesn't it? If the child is exposed to alcohol abuse, there is a greater chance for them to carry the same behavior into adulthood. Another area that causes domestic violence is jealousy. Abuse may happen when one partner is either suspected of being unfaithful or is planning to leave the relationship. Yet another cause of domestic violence may be living under stress. Social stresses due to inadequate finances or other such problems in a family may further increase tensions. Violence is not always caused by stress, but may be one way that some people respond to stress. Families and couples in poverty may be more likely to experience domestic violence. But again, 
power, control, and low self-esteem seem to be the main reasons behind domestic abuse. Yes, that does seem to be the main reason. Desiring power and control in a relationship seems to permeate all forms of abuse. Many of these domestic issues are brought to a crisis by the use of alcohol. Alcohol is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, cause of destruction of the family. Now, to better understand the problem amongst our Native people, it is important to recognize that Aboriginal family violence and abuse is a community problem. And here is why. You see, there is a direct relationship between the historical experiences of Aboriginal people and current patterns of violence and abuse in Aboriginal communities. It is generally acknowledged that family violence and abuse did occur before European contact. However, both historical and cultural records indicate that it was not a normal feature of everyday life among Native people. You know, Ed, you're right. In many Aboriginal societies, an abusive man would soon be confronted by his male relatives, and if the abuse continued, the abuser would face dire consequences including banishment, castration, and death. You see, the women and children were almost universally honored, loved, protected, and cared for with great respect. In fact, in some nations, women were accorded high rank, far-reaching social and political powers, and prominent leadership responsibilities. While we do understand that not everything was perfect within the communities, there was, in general, an established balance. Internal conflict and abusive behavior were discouraged, and a climate of harmony, respect, and mutual cooperation was considered a survival necessity. A very useful abbreviated review of this subject was presented recently in a study carried out on behalf of the Aboriginal Nurses Association of Canada and the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. This study found that the root causes of family violence and abuse within the Aboriginal societies may have been partially caused by the imposition of a different social structure of the dominant society, such as the norms, values, traditions, and ideology of that new culture. Specifically, some writers have pointed out that institutional patriarchy or male dominance in the home and society is a European cultural artifact that was introduced in Aboriginal communities through the process of colonization. The wave upon wave of trauma that hit many of our Aboriginal societies after European contact directly affected our family life. In the case of residential schools, these situations assaulted the very essence of cultural solidarity, identity, and continuity by introducing institutionalized patterns of violence and abuse into the Aboriginal family and community systems. Now, let's take a look at this excellent public service announcement. When I got into a relationship, it was domestic violence. I stayed in the relationship for years, you know, um, it was bad. There was no help. You know, we lived in, on the reservation and it took like a half hour for the cops to even respond to out there where we lived. And then he was gone and I was over it or whatever, so I thought. I lost my children through the system because of my drugs and alcohol. For nine years, they were in the system. I did turn my life around and get clean and sober, and um, I have 14 years clean and sober. Life's good today. Life is really good for us today. For me and my family, for my grandbabies, the cycle will be broken. They'll learn to speak up, stand up, and speak up for themselves. 
and say, no, it's not okay for you to touch me, or no, I don't want you to hug me like that, or no, you can't hit me, and no, you can't treat me like that. It's not okay. That's what I want to be able to teach my, my grandchildren, my community, to let them know it's not okay. hopefully, 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 maybe not in my time, but eventually they'll know. They have a right to stand up and say no. It's okay to do something. Violence is not our tradition. It's not our way. I know I can't fix the world, but you know, it's, it starts somewhere. We gotta start somewhere. The majority of the Native women in Alaska either were sexually abused, were in a domestic violence relationship, or been assault, sexually assaulted at some point in their life. I think I'm, I was lucky enough to be assaulted downstate because I don't have to worry about seeing the perpetrator walk by me. There's a lot of places who, where you can't drive or only can fly a small plane. And a lot of women who are in the villages, they don't have support. Not only if, they're, if they've been sexually assaulted, you know, their perpetrator walks free among them, among their own community, and it's like nothing happened. This type of situation, being in this rural communities, it's easier to forget than to seek a prosecution. The reason why I'm advocating for sexual assault victims and domestic violence is because I have a daughter and it really touched home with me after myself being assaulted, but it's more personal on a, a being a mom to a, a girl and knowing that the statistics are so high that she may be affected. My message would be to all Native women, even men, boys, because this doesn't only happen to women, is to tell someone, to keep telling people until someone believes you. And that it's not your fault. Whatever the situation was, it's not your fault, and that you're not alone. But however the problem of domestic violence got started, we must now look toward the future. A transformational work is needed at the community level in order to reverse the current patterns and cycles of abuse that are now so prevalent. There is not only one solution for domestic violence problems in Indian Country. It has to be a combination of efforts by the community and tribal council, state or province, and federal governments and even the victims themselves. It is typically a combined effort between law enforcement and social services and healthcare, and also through family intervention with a caring and non-threatening approach. This should include women's shelters and churches as well in a given community. 
All in all, perhaps the most effective way to restore a sense of a normal life would be to develop an active campaign to educate people on the causes of abuse and ways to prevent it. Friends, we must remember that we are human beings and we must understand the respect that is owed to each individual as we recognize him or her to be of immense value in our families, our community, and above all, to our great Creator God. This is something we all can and must do to solve this problem, don't you think? I agree, Gina. We must eliminate the foreign evil from our reservations and reserves. Certainly, Gina. The Book of Heaven teaches us that our great Creator God made man in His own image and that He made women to be loved and respected by all as she is the one who will bear the children of the new generation to come. Men. The Creator gave you the responsibility to provide, protect, and guide our families. Take ownership of that responsibility and care for your families and your communities as you should. What do you say? Let's revere her, love her, and protect her. In the Great Creator's sight, neither male nor female is honored above the other, but we are all one in Him. Friends, we hope that as we have brought this important subject to your attention, you will take the time to thank your spouse, your children, and your loved ones for who they are and for their love to you. Well, Gina, it's time to close another program. Yes, it is, Ed. But we look forward to spending more time with you on another episode of Native, Native New, New Health.